Welcome to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I promise you that song will go away by next Tuesday. Today we are joined by Derek Bonner, 1215, talking everything James Harden contract, basketball, Sixers, what more moves can they do, what does it mean, and then we'll have Russ Cohen at 1230 for, I guess the Flyers are rebuilding the Broad Street Bullies, but before we get into them, let's bring on Kinker, Kevin Kincaid. What up, Kevin? Hey, what's up? What's up, Pagans? What's up, chat? Um, what's up, everybody? It's a great, uh, your song is great, man. You got to take that show on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll do. I I really regret not doing Scott Stapp. That was a that was a bad part on me. Uh, I'll get better. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 go back to the drawing board. Um, you know, Kev, where are we in two weeks, three weeks now? It was a really good run. Um, best show ever, though, is, is here. So I guess we have to pack it up. Well, there's competition. Yeah, there's new competition in the afternoon. Even though we're in a different time slot. Uh, so yeah, that's the big, the big story on action news, isn't it? Of uh, 97.5, the fanatic announced their new afternoon show, uh, yesterday, Wednesday, they did the announcement at four o'clock. Um, it's, it was what we reported, uh, back in June. Uh, so it's Tyrone, Tyrone Johnson, Hunter Brody, Ricky Bo, Ricky Patalco, Jen Scordo is staying on as well. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be called the best show ever. Uh, question mark with a question, question mark. mark. I with thought the question, question mark was by accident. I thought someone just just fucked up the cryon below. Um. Yeah. No. I don't. I. It's funny because that was uh, that was something that we we didn't have. I didn't have an idea what they were going to brand the show as. You know. I mean, they had after Mike Missinelli left. You know, they were calling it the afternoon show, and that was just the interim thing. And you know, they did uh, the best show ever. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because they, they don't. It's funny, man. Sports radio, especially in this market, you don't really have like fancy or you know unique names like that. You know, it's like the Mike Miss and Alex show, or it's like Angelo Cataldi and the Morning Team. You know, yeah. or uh, you Mike know, Mike to camera, John Kincaid show. Like nobody, show. yeah. Do you think it's because it's kind of guys who are still trying to carve out a niche, I guess, in in Philly sports that they didn't know who to go with? They couldn't really call it the Tyrone Johnson show. They couldn't call it the Broad show. They couldn't call it the Ricky Patalico show. So I guess yeah. they called it the best show ever, which is funny to me because. And I think that's what a lot of people have gripes about it and everything. And I know some people have gripes about, you know, the people that are on the show. But, you know, just thinking like, I can't imagine those marketing meetings where it's like, hey, we're, we're going to call this best show ever. I just don't know how that gets through all the red tape and everything. I uh, call, call drive time, call it, you know. Well, it suggests okay. to me. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're trying to read between the lines or number one, it, w- it would suggest to me that there's not really like a, a necessarily like a lead voice like a number one guy like is it tyrone's show is it hunter's show is it uh you know is it ricky's show you know and that was one of the things that i, that I wrote in a couple of stories that we were doing about it was hey how, how's that gonna uh work out you know you know before i get too far ahead on that let me at least read the quote that uh chuck D'Amico gave to the inquirer uh chuck is the the program director over there he uh he replaced Eric Johnson, I want to say, about a year ago. So he says the name grew out of a collaborative process started by Tyrone uh, and our group and the folks at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, we believe a show built like this in a city like this with a diverse and dedicated and talented crew uh, has the potential to be the best show ever. Um, and when Tyrone was talking about it yesterday on the air, he pointed to the fans, uh, you know, Philly fans being the best sports fans in the country and kind of, you know, kind of uh, – you know, put, like use that as, as a little bit of an explainer, um, which I guess made sense, you know, because I think it was interesting reading the re- responses to various like, tweets and 
um, you know, the announcements that 97.5 did on Twitter and whatnot, a lot of people didn't seem to get the name or maybe it suggested that there was some kind of, I don't know, how do you be, how do, not pretentious, but how do you be pretentious about a show that didn't start yet? You know, I think they just, uh, it, for some reason, it didn't resonate with a lot of people, but we'll see. I mean, I don't, at the end of the day, it's just a name, you know, and if the show is yeah, exactly. good, good, you know. A name does not make the show. I, I kind of agree with the pretentious factor of it maybe putting people off because, you know, we've had everything where it's like, you know, allegedly uh, Tyrone, who should be sitting in the first chair, uh, has a laundry list of blocked accounts. And and uh, uh, people have been pretty critical of, you know, how he talks to callers or how he talks to people or how he you know, goes about himself on Twitter. There was that whole debacle at the at the link last year and stuff. So I think that's kind of where people have this disconnect where it's like best show ever. And I'm not saying you have to be likable in this city. You know, not everyone's going to like, you know, Cataldi. Not everyone loves Kincaid. Not everyone loves like some recent, all those guys. Yeah. But when you're, when you have this kind of polarizing guy sitting first chair, you think you would have kind of like, I don't know, a name that's not as pretentious as best show ever. Does well, that make play sense? It, play it safe, you know, like Yeah, like play smaller, it safe. Yeah, smaller margins. You know, if you especially when you're replacing what's thought to be either the first or second most important time slot in radio, PM yeah. drive, two to six is big, you know. And Tyrone obviously has, has been doing that with Mike uh for a while. And Tyrone has a lot of radio experience. Hunter's still relatively new. Uh, and Ricky's new to radio too, even though he's a former athlete and he's been doing media for a long time. So, I mean, there's inherently a risk to doing all that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's kind of my biggest question mark. It's like, who, who's, you know, number one, um, you know, is that a group that's ready for PM drive? Cause we always look at PM drive as being super important. Like you always put them like a main talent in the station on there. So um, it's a good opportunity for Tyrone to, to prove, you know, that he is, you know, lead, personality worthy pm drive worthy for sure not not just in a, a secondary role you know next to mike but can be mike for sure and uh i think that's that's what's most interesting to me is who's kind of like the the leader of that show who's kind of like directing the conversation i would assume it would be tyrone you know um but it was hard to determine that yesterday just based on the fact that like tyrone was steering the conversation when the other two guys came on but he has been hosting the interim show mm. anyway right so that's how it was going to look but Right. Is it going to be Tyrone and then Hunter works off of him and then Ricky works off of him? You know, is it going to be like a one, two, three thing? Is it going to be one A and one B? I think that's that's the key, because I think sometimes you get these shows that or I think you look at most of the shows in the Fanatic and WIP. and There's like a clear lead main host and then everybody kind of works off him. John Kincaid. And then he's got his crew. Gargano does most of the talking. South Junis comes in on the side. Right. Angela obviously runs the morning show. And the opposite of that is like having like a. Uh, like a Bruno and Innes kind of thing, for example, where both of those guys were like main talent lead mm -hmm. alpha a kind of guys. And so it was kind of eventually Tony kind of settled into being kind of like the secondary guy. But that was that's weird to say because he had always been like an a guy his entire career. So for, for me, if the show is going to be successful, I think that's probably the biggest determining factor is how that flow kind of works and who's kind of like the lead guy who who works off of this person, you know, how that how that whole arrangement kind of works out, you know. Yeah. 97.5 also understands how contentious i think the relationship is with with uh their people and the fans because they disabled the instagram comments when they put up an instagram uh, i don't know if you saw that on the fanatic yeah they had that with mike too yeah when mike left and they did the thank you mike thing I, there was uh that was there was no responses on that either um but i don't you know look man i i again like um 
I think it's an interesting uh, combination for sure. I, I mm-hmm. you know, with Ricky being there for sure, and Hunter's good with baseball too. I think I think the baseball conversation is going to be really good, which is funny to me because they don't have the Phillies radio rights, you know. <clears throat> so how much can Ricky do Sixers? Does Ricky know the Sixers? I don't know. Does he know the Eagles? I'm not sure. Yeah, you who's going to talk Eagles? You think? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know. Uh, maybe lean on callers for that. I I think. Uh, you know, with with Mike's case, you know, like they have, um, you know, Brian Westbrook was coming in and doing all those Fridays. I would assume they continue that. I think they've been continuing that with Tyrone doing in the interim, but I'm not totally sure. Lean on your guests for that for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could ask questions about like the you know institutional knowledge when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, if you look at like Marks and Reese, and you look at uh, you know Richie and DeCamera, okay, you got two former Eagles uh, there. You know, mm-hmm. and like obviously WIP's morning show gets all of the. Uh, the big interviews uh, because they're the f- flagship, you know, radio station for sure. So I think that's a legit question too. You know, um, Tyrone obviously can do basketball as, as well as anybody. Um, hockey, they're the f- partner for the Flyers, so they're going to have to do that too. But uh, and Broads, yeah, I mean, he's a former hockey player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broads can do that. I see. I think there, I do think there's question marks about the Eagles for sure. Like who's who's the f- like uh, expert voice on the Eagles? You know? There was um there was an interesting video or not an interesting video but during uh, Tyrone's announcement, Dave, we want to bring up that video. It felt like he was taking a shot at you originally, and then kind of pivoted to the haters midpoint. So check this out. Can't hear the audio. Oh uh, no, we don't have any volume on that. Oh, probably because Dave's behind the scenes. Let me oh. see if I can pull it up because I am on here. Dave, yeah, you actually, show. Dave, you want to jump on, jump on, and then, and then uh, play it. I'll put him live and then play it on. Put there. him live and then play it. Yeah. Uh, still, still no audio. Still don't All have right, it. I'll, um, I'll get it. I have it right here. Well, let me. I'll give you the. I'll give you the the pretext for the context. This was during the introduction that uh, they were doing that when he was announcing the show yesterday. Oh, here we go. It's like they're talking and, and all this stuff. People thought that this was just like a done deal like 90 weeks ago. And I'm trying to say, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? They had the right names. <laughs> but, but they did that. They didn't have the right names. Did they have the right name? When they were writing it, were they, were they correct, uh, Hunter? No. They just think, no. They, no. They had me down. They had you down and maybe stuff was done. But I can tell you that people jumped the gun and they did a lot of guessing. And I would just like to think everybody for keeping their composure because I, I don't know probably people like you Rick, but i know there were some people who might have said a couple unkind things to you hunter never there were people who said a few Since unkind when am things. i the liked one you no are. You're, yeah, you're, come to like whatever yeah. i like with you it's gonna be that but, oh, my God. Man. I, but i'm not running on that what i want to say is I, I appreciate you guys for having the uh, fortitude to not play into that because we are going to provide a great product for people and an experience every single day. And we can't be worried about the haters. So I really appreciate it. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, 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 he can't be talking about us, right? Because there's like a pivot to just random haters. But then he also says like the people writing about it didn't have the names right. Right. But we had every single name. Of, well, we did the follow-up story yesterday before their announcement. We had all four of the names, right? When we did the story originally back in June, uh, I think we had Hunter and uh, Tyrone. 
originally right and then like i updated the story a couple hours later and said okay i'm hearing ricky bow right but i wasn't sure mm -hmm. if jen was sticking around or not but i mean we had like the core of the show he met he i thought i heard in that clip there he said something like 90 weeks ago or something like that maybe he yeah was that was weird people who and maybe is he suggesting like it, there was people saying stuff you know if negotiations were going on before while mike was still there i don't think he's talking about us because we didn't we also didn't criticize anybody in any of those stories either so no, I I don't know. It felt like it felt like he was like coming after the stories, and then and then he, like I said, he pivoted to the haters. But then it felt like maybe it was the the, the maybe the Twitter comments. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, yeah. if you go on anything that we post on ninety seven five about these guys, any anything we write, the, the comments underneath it. I mean, these guys say it. They tag Tyrone. They tag Broads. They tag Ricky Patalico. They tag even Jen yeah. Sporto in ninety seven five. These guys yeah. all see the comments and all the hate and everything. You know, I actually I have a hot take for you. I went back yeah. and watched the. Uh, the announcement yesterday. I don't think Broach's voice is that bad. I, that's a that's a main <laughs> sticking point with a lot of people that Broach, oh, people were saying that yeah okay. that people yeah, can't I, listen to Broads and I and you know I think his YouTube voice is different than his radio voice. I don't think he can scream and yell all the time on YouTube. It does work on different platforms. It does work. Well, and yeah, and you adjust them in based whatever platform you're working off of for sure. I, I you know especially too if we assume that Tyrone's going to kind of be the lead guy and then maybe. Hunter and Ricky work off of him, then it's not going to be, you know, bro, it's kind of driving the conversation and, and being like the main guy, like he, like he does on YouTube or if he's hosting solo on the weekends or whatever. But yeah, I, I did see that a lot on, on the comments. And look, at the same time, like Twitter is, you know, Twitter's Twitter, you know, there's always yeah. a lot of haters and, and shit talkers on, on social media. But yeah, I, that was strange. I was listening to that live and I was like, is Tyron talking about us? Cause we had the names and nothing, there was nothing critical coming from us. Nah. in in any of those stories maybe like you read the replies to the crossing broad tweets or something like that and then you saw somebody say hey i don't like this person i don't like that person maybe it gets attributed to us but it was not there was nothing like on our end where we were like hey we don't you know like the show or we don't think this is going to work or maybe i think we were pretty neutral and pretty fair and in and pretty right on, you know yeah i mean i mean like we the only reason we dig on this stuff is because like that's what we do you know it's like yeah. you know people, and people love say, it no, I know people always say stuff like, oh, you guys are like obsessed with this or that. I'm like, no, nah, we do media news, man. We do, we try to report on media news. So yeah, I don't know. I thought that was strange, but I didn't, when I listened back to the whole thing, yeah, I don't I don't think he was talking about us. So yeah. plus I think we're cool. Yeah, we're cool. So we're cool. We're yeah, cool with them. I, I see him. Yeah. I think I saw I think I saw Crystal yesterday. I know she's obviously on NBC Sports. I didn't say hi, but I saw her. I didn't want to bother her. I would have uh, been cool with yeah. her. I would have like yeah. dapped her up, said, Hey, good job. Um yeah, but I think we have, speaking of Sixers basketball, uh, we have our next guest on, Derek Bodner. If we can bring him on, Dave. Yeah, Derek, there he is. Ah, oh, long time Hello. no talk. It has been a little while. It has been a, a minute. How's What's going on, House, Derek? How are you? You were last time maybe on, on Waterboys? Was that what I the, was Waterboys. Uh, Waterboys okay. is still going. Crossing yeah. Broadcast is more of a live show now. Um, yeah. Actually, I think the last time we talked on Waterboys, you said you were never going to go back to the newsletter or being an entrepreneur ever again, and now look at you. I don't I think I probably said, said that. that. I doubt I said that. Maybe well, maybe going back to like a, a newspaper, maybe. Um, but I well, don't think I ever gave up independent. What was? Yeah, but I thought you said. I swear you were like independent man. It is its own monster. I love the athletic. I mean, look, I say a lot of dumb shit, so maybe I did. I don't know. I don't know. How is well, Derek, I appreciate like, you. Man? I appreciate you keeping uh, keeping my seat warm at the center. So I, <laughs> I went to one game this year, and so you probably had to take the brunt of the lady behind us yelling uh, 
yelling at the bench warmers to sit on that bench. You know, yeah. so I appreciate you yeah. doing that. No, me, me and Tom suffered through that one, but we, we got through <laughs> it. We got through it. <laughs> oh man. So how, how's entrepreneurial life going? How's it had to be tough to leave. I mean, you started athletic Philadelphia with shield. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was tough. It was scary. Um, you know, I had done this something similar back in 2017. So I had a little bit of confidence it would work, but back then, you know, the athletic wasn't in the market. There wasn't a competitor in that regard. The landscape has changed. Um, so I, it was a little nerve wracking, but it's going well. Um, you know, it, it pretty much within a couple of weeks, I knew it was going to, uh, work in terms of supporting me. Uh, so now it's just trying to make the product what I want it to be. And I think that's still a work in progress, but it's off to a good start. Well, I'm a subscriber and anyone that's not a subscriber, it's the daily six newsletter. Um, where can people find that? They can find it probably on your Twitter. I'm, I'm yeah, assuming my, your social accounts. My Twitter, uh, daily six.com. Uh, no, the, in it just daily six.com. Cool. All uh, right. Yep. Awesome. Yep. All right. Well, we want to talk to you because we want to bring you on and, and say, you know, James Harden takes the $15 million pay cut. Sixers are about 4 million below the apron right now. Can you walk us through some of the options that the Sixers have now? Yeah, I mean, they're, like you said, they're about 4 million under the apron, and that becomes a hard cap because they uh, use their their larger, their non-taxpayer mid-level and their biannual exception. So they have to stay under $157 million in salary. They have a little bit of flexibility, not really to sign anyone per se, because they only have minimum contracts left. Really what that would come down to is if they want to make a trade either here in the coming weeks, because it seems like every superstar on the, in the league is available for a trade right now, or whether that is at the trade deadline or in season. So they have a little bit of flexibility. Reportedly, we still haven't seen the official numbers on the Harden contract, but assuming that $15 million pay cut off of that player option is true, then they have yeah about, about $4 million, maybe a little bit more because they have to still cut one player. They have 16 players under NBA contracts. So they have to make one cut by the end of training camp. A lot of those players have either partial guarantees or non-guarantees. So they could have maybe a million and a half more to work with in a trade. But it's really having a little bit of flexibility uh, in a trade is is what you're looking at. Did you see those Bobby Marks comments? About the uh, investigating an investigation? Uh, Ruben? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I saw him. I, I, I thought, and this was in your, your newsletter, you had the scenario, and here's the, the comments for anyone who wants to read it. You had the scenario where, and this is comments from from Bobby. From Bobby, yeah, yeah, yeah this is from Bobby. This is not from uh, the, the newsletter. I was gonna say I don't remember saying this, but I also didn't remember <laughs> saying I would I would never do the newsletter thing again. So maybe I, you know, yeah, you weren't at the Michael Rubin party. No, no, I was not invited to Michael Rubin's party. Um, so, but you in in your newsletter, you had that scenario where it was like, there's a chance that that Harden balls out this year, opts out next year, and then he's asking for even more money from the Sixers and they feel they have to pay him to surround and bead with, with stars. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be more teams with cap space next summer. Uh, so right from the jump, you have more teams who could theoretically be interested and give him a good contract. If he comes back and plays a little better, you know, I do think part of his lack of burst last year was related to the hamstring. I don't know how, what, what percentage wise it was, but I think part of it, he could come back and be a better player than he was this past year. Maybe not nearly what he was even in 2020, but somewhere in the middle. And if those two things happen where he does play better, whether that's because the hamstring's better or just the, he uh, knows his, how to play alongside Joel Embiid better, and there's more teams with cap space, he could get a significantly better contract next summer. Um, I think that's a possibility. Now, you know, I will still give him credit. Like, I, this is still a, uh, you know, he did still take a pay cut because he could have just opted in that $47.4 million and been in the same spot where he would have been a free agent next summer and the Sixers wouldn't have been able to sign P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. So I still give him credit, but there is still a little concern. I 
do look at this as a one-year contract. Um, a one-year contract with maybe a little bit of catastrophic injury assurance built into that. Um, but I do expect him to be a free agent next summer. And yeah, he could be in a, it's tough because he'll be going on like 34 or something next summer, mm-hmm. but there, things could play out where he could maybe have a little stronger negotiating leverage. for Sure. Kevin, I'm doing all the talking. You got anything I, I, to talk about there? With? Go ahead. I, I feel like 15 minutes for me is a, a bad time because that's about no. one question. No, no, it's all good. Listen, I, I uh, just generically, Derek, I mean, what do you, what do you make of the roster as it stands right now? I think it's a lot better. Um, you know, I think when you're looking at it, the way I would phrase it is if James Harden doesn't get back to even a facsimile of what he was, then these players probably don't matter too much. Like PJ Tucker and Daniel house. Uh, they're not going to make the Sixers contenders, but if James Harden does improve from where he was last year, then these players help the Sixers capitalize on that improvement. Uh, I think they have a better chance of having the depth necessary to win a title, but they still need a the star power at top to win the title. So I think it all comes back to James Harden. I do think these were important moves because, uh, like I said, I think you can better capitalize on that if it does happen. But a lot of the eyes are going to be on James Harden. They should be. Um, he's mo- motivated, I think, both in terms. I do think he wants to win the championship, and also he's very financially motivated not having a um, you know max contract in place next year. So I think they should get a good version. It's just, does he have it left in the tank? And quite frankly, I don't, I don't know. Um, the, the biggest question marks, I mean, people like to do, you know, it's the summer, right? Everybody does the theoretical trade stuff, hypo- hypothetical trade stuff. You know, the biggest names, of course, Tobias, Tyrese, um, sure. you know, look, I mean, T- Tobias has been kind of the subject we've been talking about, you know, possible trades of Tobias Harris for years now, you know, Tyrese Maxey. Now you get into the uh, area of who is untouchable in a trade, you know, um, <laughs> generic thoughts on either of, uh, either of those two, uh, two items yeah well i mean i I think tobias is getting a little more tradable just because he now only has two years left uh so it's easier to move especially when you're looking at it you know i think a lot of people are going to be looking to line up for that summer of 2025 tobias expires before that so i think he's less of a deterrent than he has been at any point since he signed that contract doesn't mean he's a positive trade value chip he's just less of a deterrent and then you have tyrese maxey who because of his age and how much he improved and he's making like two million dollars and you know he's going to be a restricted free agent in two years so you have a lot of team control left is a very high value trade ship so i think a combination of those two certainly puts the sixers in a lot of conversations where they're going to fall short on pretty much all these is that you just don't have any draft picks to trade like you have a 2029 draft pick that you can maybe trade if you loosen some restrictions on other deals and it's just that's very limiting especially when you start talking about like kevin durant or someone of that ilk um, but yeah, no, I think, I think Tobias is going to be in every rumor just because he has a salary to match. And then Tyrese Maxey is going to be in every rumor just because he's the only real trade ship the Sixers have left. I don't expect any of them to go, you know, I thought there's a chance with Tobias that he could have been traded earlier in the off season. Yeah. But once you found out that James Harden was going to give them the, um, flexibility necessary by taking that pay cut where they could use that larger exception and the biannual, then I think the urgency to trade Tobias dropped pretty considerably. Uh, let me go micro here just for a couple questions. Uh, number one, you know, everybody makes a joke about, oh, Daryl Morey's trying to rebuild the Rockets, right? You know, they got House, they got Tucker, they got Harden in there. Um, you know, one of the sidebar topics of that is like, hey, you know, if you wanted to, you could try to replicate some of that 2019, 20, 2020 stuff, you know, where they were playing small ball, you know, five out, five shooters there, not playing with a true center. And, uh, sure. you know, I- I'm wondering if you if you feel like it makes sense to replicate some of that with the second unit. Uh, and, and even if that's doc's game at all, even if he wants to try that, you know, like a, like a Harden Tucker house, Melton Reed, pick your, you know, small ballish kind of lineup. I mean, is that feasible for, for a second unit? 
Yeah, look, I, people sort of dismissively say like recreating the Rockets. Well, they did win a lot of games and came probably one came one Chris Paul injury away from going to the finals, taking down the best team we've seen in modern NBA. Um, so like, you know, they had some success. Now, James Harden's not the same, and that goes back to what I was I started off with. But yeah, I think when you talk about P.J. Tucker specifically, he was sort of like the forerunner of the small ball and, and super small ball. He's like 6'5", 6'6". Yeah. Um, but he was the, the, the beginning of that era. Uh, of that real what you were looking for so yeah i think he's going to play some small ball center i think part of the reason i think there's a couple reasons they didn't go out and get maybe a more traditional backup center to um supplement um paul reed and i think it's part because of pj tucker and the desire to play small and the fact that he can credibly do that better than yang can and in part because i think they more just never gonna invest heavy resources in a player who can't play alongside joel Embiid. like he's just not gonna especially when you get in the playoffs you're talking about eight minute player He's going to rely on, I think, these young players probably more than Doc would prefer. Uh, but I think having PJ Tucker helps, um, you know, mitigate those concerns and is somebody that I think Doc will play at backup center. Yeah. Well, look, we don't want to go on the Paul Reed victory tour here, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> which actually segues slow. Into, so we can uh, all pick it up. Yeah. Got my little <laughs> drops going. I like they, the drop. Uh, I, I keep that one right on the board. It's ready to go. But you I know, also have uh, hold on. Did you ask Pop that question? Got to have that one there. (laughs) There you go. That's a perfect segue, man, because I I do want to ask about that because the funniest thing to me was when I heard that for the first time, like, oh, that's Derek asking the question. It's like the least confrontational guy on the entire beat, you know? And it's just funny to me because when I hear Doc, you know, get kind of testy with the media, you know, I look at like the people he's butting heads with. It's like Derek Bodner, uh, D. Lynham. Austin you know, Krell. Austin, Austin Krell. Krell has never butted head with, with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Me, yeah. It's like, it's not like the four of us are like murderers row, you know, like you're, you're arguing with D line them. Right. What so was I your just, question, that was the previous year. What was your, how'd you get him? No, yeah, well, it was the, uh, the free throws with the hack of Ben. Oh yeah. The, no, he would never trial. do that. You would never yeah. take him out. Yeah. Uh, until he yeah. did it the very next game. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I guess if I'm like, you know, we can laugh about that all day long, but if I'm f- trying to advance that story, like uh, what, what is it about that? I mean, is, is he just getting distracted by stuff that doesn't matter? Does he not like being challenged? I mean, like what, what do you, why do why do you think he's, you know, kind of getting into these, uh, these like media headbutting sessions? Yeah. I think he doesn't like being challenged, especially, I think he doesn't like being challenged by people he doesn't think are qualified to challenge him. And, you know, when you, all of these come back to questioning his decisions, and he doesn't react well to that. And that, for you and I, that can't change our line of questioning. I don't necessarily go in looking for that reaction, but I also can't veer away if I think it's going to happen. Um, yeah, I think the simplest explanation is he just doesn't think we are qualified to challenge him, and he does not uh, react well to that. And what really gets me is all of these are so very avoidable, like so incredibly avoidable. I remember when he went off on Keith Pompey, and Keith pretty much just asked, like, you know, why do you think you guys are playing down to your competition? And he, Hey, that's a dumbass question. It's like, no, everyone who watches this team understands you're playing down to your competition. Yeah. Uh, and you could just say like, he, he had like all of these have templated response ready to go. You know, why are you playing down your competition? Oh, look, we got to, you know, be more focused and, and, you know, come out every day and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, do you maybe regret not playing Paul Reed more in the regular season? He could just been like, look, we thought Paul needed time in the G League and we went that route and we'll see whether it works. And nobody would have cared about the response. All of yeah. these are so very self-inflicted and he just seems to have a temper when you challenge him. They're not unfair questions. None of them are unfair questions. I, I said at the time too, you know, the way that Austin framed the, um, yeah. you know, what could the coaching staff have done better? You know, he probably could have just rephrased that or, or done it in a less confrontational way, but it wasn't a, a question that was, 
that was uh you know out of out of line or anything like that you know so i think you saying it's like unavoidable or unnecessary makes a lot of sense um i just have two more quick ones for you um actually actually rule change here and they're talking about um we're talking about the take foul and the the way that they're going to police it this year um i think it's a good i think it's a good rule because look i mean you know, nobody, you know, you can see the ball on the open floor. Everybody likes transitional basketball. It's exciting to see the ball move up and down the floor. And then some guy grabs a dude, puts his hand up in the air and says, it's on me, you know? And uh, I'm glad they're cutting down on that and doing that differently. My only thing, Derek, is like, you know, it's there's going to be an arbitrary nature of deciding what's a legitimate play on the ball. Sure. It's just a guy grabbing it. So, I mean, how do you, how do you think all that's going to play out? I mean, my only real comment is I don't think they did enough. Like if you start looking at it like a per possession expected value thing, all right, you've got one free throw per you know maybe 0.7 points per possession and then you get the ball back a half court possession let's call it 0.9 points per possession yeah. you're talking 1.6 points per possession well some of those fast breaks are going to be way higher value than that i think you probably two shots in the ball if you really want to get rid of these plays uh, i don't think this, this is going to deter it a little bit but on the obvious ones i still think the right play is to make that foul um so yeah i think i think it it was the right thing to do to make a change i'm not sure they went quite far enough i understand that when you take a uh, make a change like that you probably take a half step first um but i still think that play is going to happen because i think it should happen um but yeah it does introduce a little bit of um you know just interpretation of the rules which is never great but i do think that was something they had to uh had to address for the play of the game last one for you here and it's kind of now kind get rid of, of the charge and we can really make some progress Ooh. yeah yeah well this last one kind of is kind of a follow-up to that in a way you know because the year prior the big the big rule it feels like they do one big rule change every every season you know last year was the trey young rule you know leaning into guys jumping into guys or whatever and, for, sure. and, and to me it seemed like that played out relatively well um throughout the season i don't remember any time sitting there saying like oh i wish this was different or whatever i honestly yeah. can't remember the last time that they changed a rule or made a made a emphasis on how something's uh being refed and and i can't remember the last time i disagreed with it i mean i think it, it it played out the way that they wanted to so when you go back and you look at you know leaning into guys and jumping into them unnatural motion for fouls when, when you look at how last season played out i mean do you think that rule set made sense how they did it yeah no i think that took away i i saw way less griping you were still you still saw foul baiting from some of the the best in the business at it and that's always going to be the case uh, but i think there was less griping i think there was less unnatural shooting fouls uh i think that end up working out pretty well and i don't want to see him go too far because i do think that you should reward some of these players who can draw fouls like that um but i think it was less severe i, th I think that was a i just talked about half steps i think that was a pretty good half measure yeah yeah hmm. all right well i was gonna say i i was essentially looking for tyrese maxi to have some of the, his most fast break points this year with the with the take foul no one wanted to <laughs> we'll see we'll see i mean it's weird man i don't know there's nothing to stop a guy from still say hey i was going for the ball you know so i think it's on you know you're putting every anytime you make a rule change or like you have different language the language is going to be interpreted differently you know so it's like do you get yeah. the language right and the execution of it right yeah we'll find out but i mean hopefully it's you know just executed the proper I way i think there's gonna be more people that are taking charges i know derek doesn't want the charge rule anymore but like like you said with how do you determine if the guy was going for the ball or not like i guess sometimes you just got to sit there and hope get the charger it's a blocking foul yeah no yeah. i mean for charges it's really just that the center like a circle area um I, where it's just it's for me it's just a dangerous play at times so take out the incentive to make an unnatural play like that but uh we'll see well derek thank you i appreciate it and i, and I gotta say uh i'm an idiot but when i read your newsletter i feel like less of an idiot so i want to thank oh. you for that 
<laughs> I, I appreciate that. You're definitely not, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, man. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make it down there this year, right? <laughs> yeah, see <laughs> All right. That was Derek Bonner. Go, go subscribe to the Daily. Not the, don't put the in it. Daily 6 Daily newsletter. 6. Daily 6. Daily 6. Yeah. Daily 6. Daily 6. And I think, I think Derek is still doing the podcast with uh, with Rich, I believe. Is he? Which would be, oh. I think Sixers Beat may still be alive. I'll check on that while you uh, introduce the next uh, guest. Thank you. Here. Thank you. And, and and he waited patiently. Uh, let's bring on Russ Cohen. You can find him at Sportsology on Twitter. Um, Russ, big big day for the Flyers yesterday. I guess a big day. I mean, I guess we're rebuilding the uh, the Broad Street Boys in the year 2022. It's actually pretty funny because all the Flyers fans are angry on Twitter. But you know half of them a year ago were like, we got to build the Broad Street Bullies back. But everyone seems to be mad. And we seem to be building just a team around fighters. And uh, today they uh, signed a coach, uh, Rob Thompson, Robbie Thompson, I think it is. Rocky. Uh, Rocky, Rocky Thompson. Rocky. My and voice he, isn't great since Montreal, oh, just so you know. No, you're it's fine. all good, man. I'm sure you're cheering for Cutter or you're cheering for Shane Wright. <laughs> or I, I don't know. I was but, doing um, radio too, so all of it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Rocky Thompson gets hired. He's supposedly trying to fight Evander Kane. What What is Chuck Fletcher building this team around? I would love to hear your insight on it. I think um, out of desperation and necessity, I think that's the plan. Uh, if they had a plan, they would have done something about clearing cap space at the trading deadline last year knowing that they were going to go for Goudreau, knowing that Goudreau had interest in them. They didn't do that. They thought, well, eh, something would happen last minute, you know, maybe at the draft, maybe now. And when all those doors shut, then they were left scrambling. And you can't, you know, hope is never a plan. And it's just, there's a lot of hope that kept going on in this front office. And, and it's a problem. Now, what you're saying is true about like Zach McEwen last year. Fans cheered him, but I don't know if they cheered him because they loved the fights. I think they cheered him just because there was not much else going on with the team. So they <laughs> cheered that because they wanted some entertainment value. Yeah. Yeah. They are building like between Sealer, between Nate Thompson, between um, McEwen. And now, how do you say this guy's name? Delorean. Nick Delorean. Delorean. It's yeah. just like they're going to be the Bash Brothers. It's going to be Mighty Ducks all over again. Ken Atkinson might have 70 goals while the Bash Brothers are just getting everybody out of the way. Yeah, if hockey only worked that way, um, the fast teams will go around them. The smart teams will draw penalties off their aggression and the other teams won't engage until they're either up three goals or down three goals. So, I mean, it, it, this isn't like, you know, 20 year ago hockey. I, there's a, look, some of the old guard that's in the Flyers front office want them to be bigger and tougher to play against. There's something to that, but that's not what won this year in the Stanley Cup. The Colorado Avalanche did not win because of that. You have to have still a lot of skill. You can't draft only six foot or bigger players. You have to have faith that the other players that you get, the skill players, the smaller players will fit in with the others so that you could field, uh, you know, a balanced team. They don't have a balanced team right now. They could say that Carter Hart's in the prime of his career. And that's true, except they didn't do anything to, to build anything around them. They brought in a bunch of, you know, half baked defensemen, other than D'Angelo, who has a lot of skill, but now they're going to put D'Angelo in the top pairing. Good luck with that. Russ, here's my thing. Um, every individual fan had thoughts on whether Johnny Gaudreau made sense based on the Flyers timeline, right? Are you getting, are you putting the horse in front of the cart? If you go give a guy, you know, like seven years, 10 million per or something like that, or should we just tear it down and bring Sam Hinkie in here and just rebuild the whole thing, you know? So each individual, individual fan had their own thing on that, but the Flyers told us straight up that they were going to aggressively retool. 
right? So yes. um, by moving Oscar Lindblom, but not, we believe, allegedly, reportedly, uh, not being interested in attaching a high draft pick to move off JVR's contract to create that space, did they themselves not adhere to the aggressive retool? Like, does Johnny Gaudreau doing those two moves fit the the story that they were, or the not the story, but the Narrative. strategy that they were that they told us that they were going to do? Yeah, they veered from it. There, there's no question about it. Now, do I believe that they didn't have interest or weren't in on Goudreau? No, I don't believe that at all. I just believe they failed at doing it, so they didn't want to say they, you know, were in on it or at least going to try. Uh, we know they tried, and we know they failed. Uh, I'm not saying that that's what they should have done, by the way. I'm just saying we all knew that that's what they were going to do. Yeah. And like you said, you should never be in between. You either should go all one way or the other way with the rebuild. The retooling nonsense rarely ever works. You have to have a great minor league system for that. They don't. It's okay. It's in the middle of the league, but it's not good enough to to restock the team for when you do that. So I get it. They wanted a star. They wanted to fill the stands. Fine. But now they didn't do that either. And now they've really lowered expectations to the point where everything they say fans are going to be upset about. They're not going to be happy. And they kind of brought that on themselves. Yeah. I um I think the thing is like when you look at this team as it stands right now, it, but the players who were left over from last year, not even talking about a D'Angelo or a Delorier or like a Johnny Gaudreau pursuit or anything like that. But there's so many question marks just with the, the existing guys. It's like even if you had stuck to a plan or a strategy or whatever, you didn't you don't know what you're getting from half these guys next year. I'm just going to go down a list real quick. Yep. Sean Couturier is your best player coming off injury. Ryan Ellis, injured. We don't even know if he's going to play, right? I don't think he's playing. Joel Farabee just underwent a surgery that we was was not expected, right? Uh, right. Kevin, Kevin Hayes didn't play a full season last year, right? Bobby Brink is injured, you know, like, uh, and that's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a couple, like top guys there. So it's like, even, even if, even if you built, even if you went after Goodrell, even if you like nailed a couple free agents, like, you don't, you don't even know like what you're going to get from those guys and who are, who are already here. No. And the problem is you can't, you can't hope that they're all going to come back a hundred percent just because like Chuck said, Hey, everybody was under their career average last year. That's great. But you still you're hoping now that that turns around when guys have already you know had had surgeries. That's that's yeah. a big reach. Now they're lacking playmakers. Look, ever since Giroux and Voracek left, people could say what they want about Voracek, but he still was a guy who handled the puck and was a playmaker. Always got his assists. Well, other than connecting with Farabee out, they don't have a lot of that. Atkinson's their main goal scorer. Everything else, you know, you're hoping like with Couturier that he does. Uh, a, a little bit of everything. I don't think he's getting to the 80 point range anymore. And, you know, the back injuries are always a little tough. And he, you know, so that's, you look at all that and you say, where are the points coming from? Even if Torts does something silly, like put Nick Delorier in the slot on a power play, which he might, because he's big, he's going to fail at it. He's failed at it before. Like yeah. I remember him putting, you know, Brian Boyle on the slot once because he's a big guy. Let's just, you know, it doesn't work yeah. that way. Mike Richards was one of the smaller guys and he was one of the best at deflecting the puck in the net, if you remember. So, yeah. you know, you still in the end, the skill always wins out. You might get 10 goals out of Delorier, but he might be a third liner for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was crazy. I don't. And again, it's not like with the, with a signing like that. If you give that guy one year, if you give him two years or something, that's fine. 
four years for a guy like Delorean. Like, well, okay, the what what now? You know, yeah. And like Justin Braun, it's fine. It's it's fine with me with Braun because like everybody was hoping that Giroux was going to be the guy that they traded at the deadline and then brought him back for the homecoming, and it ended up being your thirty-five year old, you know, third pair defenseman, right? So it's just. I, I get. I understand. Now, if you that. want to go back to it, I again, not to interrupt. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, we all knew Giroux had put certain demands in, tra- in that you know where he wanted to go. Right. But did the Flyers really get the most out of the Florida Panthers in that trade? No, I don't believe no. it for a minute. No. I believe I I would have taken a player or two over Owen Tippett, but they they were transfixed on Owen Tippett, so that was you know so you know you kind of start there. And this is where even Danny Briere, even though he's like in training, like if I was on the, you know, on that panel this year, I'd have been like, do we have the money for Goudreau? What is, where do we have the insurance assurances? Yeah. Like, why are we saying we, and they didn't say it to the fans, but they sort of intimated with the way they said they were going to be big in free agency that, you know, fans sort of jumped to that. And it's obvious why they did. And that's fine. But they put out the, the word that they were going to be aggressive. And if you're going to be aggressive, you have to have cap space. You know that from the NBA, Kev. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. they didn't have the cap space. So then, so then they get rid of the cap. They get cap space back, getting rid of Oscar Lindblom, which again you knew was going to be divisive. And Oscar could still play, and actually was playing pretty well last half of the season. And that saves you a certain amount. But yet JVR is on the team because you've deemed him unmovable. You could buy him out. He doesn't have to be on the team. Like you could mm-hmm. just take the buyout, and I think it's like one point seven, whatever, and yep. just let him go somewhere else. If he's there at the beginning of the year, like is is Torts going to really like JVR? I don't think so. No, but th- that goes hand in hand with like these half measures things. Like if you're in, yeah. you're in, and if you're out, you're right. out. It's like John Fossil saying, like push your chips to the center of the table, yeah. right? Because they they said that they were willing to give up picks to do the D'Angelo move. They were willing to to give up picks to get wrist line in here, right? And they did the buyout, an optically challenging buyout for a fan favorite player who won the Masterton, right? Who, even if it was a, the correct business decision, it was always going to be tough to, yep. to sell that, right? So as you made it that far, you've shown that you're willing to do that, then just do the other part of it. You know, it's like, don't go halfway and then stop. You know, it's like, See, the biggest come this far, you know? Yeah, the biggest mistake is what you just mentioned. Now, a lot of us didn't know what their plan was going to be going forward when they signed Ristolainen and gave up what they gave up for him um, to get him here in a trade and to extend them. Had they known at that point that they wanted to go with this aggressive retool and be in on Goudreau, you would never have done that deal mm-hmm. and used up the cap space yeah, yeah. or even wasted the assets trading for him to begin with. Like yeah. you just wouldn't have done it. But that tells you that they didn't know that. There was no foresight. There was no, no there was no foresight. They were just that. like, we'll be fine. You know, last year, hey, this makes us better. We're good for the future. You know, they were looking at singular players doing singular things. Yeah. And now you have like an amalgamation of just like guys, you know, there's some yeah. really talented guys on this team. But yeah. that's a know, great now- that's a great use of that word, by the way, <laughs> amalgamation, kind of like it means like kind of a blob, like it's yeah. kind of like a like a colloidal kind of like, you know, just a bunch of guys stuck together. You know, it's funny because I think I don't know, Kyle, if, I, if you and I were talking about this on in chat or something like that. But you know, I, I see like a lot of similarities to like what the Sixers were before the process. Um, mm-hmm. To where the Flyers kind of are right now, because like, and help and me out with this, Kyle, because I, I don't remember the whole. But like, yeah, Drew Holiday, yeah, like Evan Turner, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum is basically uh, Ryan Ellis without the press conference, if you think about it. Right? <laughs> he's supposed to be a top pair guy, but he's he hasn't played a you know he's played four games or however many games, right? Well, more than Bynum did. But so you get the point. Well, Bynum was like, at every game though on the bench. We only yeah. saw Ryan Ellis for a certain time up in the box, and then he was gone. So <laughs> yeah. give that at least to Bynum. That's true. My, wow. my my only memory of Ryan Ellis is him sitting there with a coffee cup during his introductory press conference, and I was like, all right, well, this guy just wants to play, and he hasn't played. But but I mean. I I, I do honestly see similarities there. It's like you had some pieces, but you're kind of like an eight seed. The only reason mm-hmm. to beat the Bulls the year prior is because Derrick Rose got injured. So like you're e- you're either it or you're not. Right. Like get in or get out. Like, and I just think like, you know, not to reiterate the same point over and over again, but I mean it's it's that's like the last place that you want to be is like somewhere in purgatory. Right. I mean, the guys that they picked up yesterday were basically all they could do. Right. And now other teams in the Metro have jettisoned past them. Like the Metro is one of the toughest division, if not the toughest division in hockey. So now where are you? Are you in just a little better than the Devils? Okay. If you want to say that, I'll, I might give it to you. You're not better than the Blue Jackets, Rangers, Islanders. No. Like you just and the, Blue ja- the, Blue, the Blue Jackets just Penguin. went out and got Gaudreau. The Devils just yeah. went out and got Palat. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I, <laughs> I wouldn't, I couldn't even make, I can't sit here right now on July 14th. 2022 and tell you that the flyers are better than any other team in the metro right now yeah and and the thing is they have a good coach right who does more with less i get it Mm -hmm. and he'll again he'll always do things you don't agree with he'll put a right shot defenseman on the left side he'll put a guy like i said like delorier in the slot he'll do all these different things he'll try a lot of things out he'll get six seven more wins no question he's better than mike yo but the thing is even he knows he's up against it because he wouldn't commit to saying that they might be a playoff team. He goes, I'm not going down that road. He's been with teams like when, you know, he's taken over teams before that he's had to sort of bring up to his standard right now. There's guys there that don't play to his standard defensively. Um, I, I just want to talk about the D'Angelo thing real quick, because we didn't, we were actually going to talk about it. The other podcast, we saved it for this because we knew we had a hockey guest coming on. Um, he comes out on during his introductory press conference. He says, I'm not a racist. You know, the stuff that happened in the past, I've apologized for. There was a thing with a teammate in 2014. Some of the fan base doesn't like him because he's a Donald Trump supporter, whatever. Well, he's Um, the one who came out and said, I'm a state's rights guy. Like, why would you say that on an introductory press conference? Anyhow, (laughs) I I know some people just don't know how to get like, regardless of what your beliefs are, like just just kind of like, um, you don't, don't, don't step in the shit. Right. Right. Be blunt. Right. You know? And so regardless of what you think about that, I think the thing that, that I focus on the most is like a lot of people say, you know, I can't get behind the flyers if they're going to bring a guy like this in and like, it doesn't, he doesn't represent what I represent and so on and so forth. You got the other half of people who are saying like, look, you know, I think people can change mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm going to forgive the guy or a third p- portion of fans who say, I don't care about any of this right. at all. You know, you go back and look at like Riley Cooper. I know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of Eagles fans are like, Hey, I'm not going to give up on the Eagles. I'm just not really going to cheer if he scores a touchdown. Yeah. Wasn't Brett Myers dragging his wife on video on the curb. Exactly. Right. And there was a lot of hypocritical stuff that was, was <laughs> people did not bring that up when the Oduble Herrera thing happened at the same time. And then you had the Michael Vick thing, which is like right. a lot of uh, dog lovers did not watch the Eagles, you know? And so right. my only, my only thing with that is like, I wrote, I wrote a column about this on the site, but it's like, I wouldn't, I have a lot of respect for people who, just follow through on that 
I had a guy who messaged me. He's like, you know what? I don't like Tony D'Angelo and I'm not going to watch the Flyers. Mm-hmm. So like more power to you, man. Like respect. Because, yeah, I don't begrudge you. Yeah, because it's because it's otherwise, Russ, it's just like it's just like Twitter posturing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm going to talk a big game about this, but you're still going to go down to the stadium. You're still going to buy tickets. You're still going to get a put your kid in a photo with Gritty. You know, you're still going to, right. you know, pay for park. You're still going to do all this right. stuff. So like, I don't care what people think about that stuff. I just want people to act on that. Uh-huh. and put put their money where their mouth is you know yeah. I don't think that's too much to ask you know no it's not and look there's other things that were unreported with tony these are only the things we know about i hear about all kinds of things that i never talk about uh can he play hockey sure is he a great skater yes is he an offense defenseman for sure uh is he good away from the puck no so that's why ultimately carolina gave up because he couldn't play rod brindamore hockey they, they had a price for him but once it got to five million they're like all right look we sort of like you, Tony. We don't like you that much. Go hit, you know, go hit the road. And, you know, so that's, you know, that's what happened. And Chuck being desperate as he is picked up on it. At least the thing he got right was he only gave him two years. But to me, this is a one-year tryout. If it doesn't work, he won't be on the Flyers next year. You think, uh, you think Gritty can play first line defense? <laughs> Gritty? Block some shots? Yeah. I mean, at this point, there's still that number two slot is still open as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, I don't think Tony's going to fill it for long, so maybe Gritty could do it. Hey, I got to ask you, I, I was looking at your Twitter timeline yesterday, and I saw uh, that big old bag of Swedish fish that you had. <laughs> so I, I, I need to ask you, how much of that bag did you get through? Is is Swedish fish always the go-to snack when you're dealing in high-tension situations like the trade deadline or free agency or whatnot? And uh, is there any other candy, Russ Cohen, lice when the tensions are high? Yeah, Swedish Fish has been a go-to with Flyers games for a while now. Yeah. There are people there that bring it for me because I took pictures with really? it like two, three years ago. I would always have it in a picture. Yeah, that that bag I didn't pay for. I don't pay for most of the Swedish Fish I eat, but I like it. Are you sponsored and by Swedish Fish? No, I'm not. Um, that's a go-to. And then, you know, I like other things. Um, M&M's, when M&M's okay. used to be available, uh, they were great. Sometimes I'll still sneak in some M&M's. Are M&M's not available or are they not available down at the center? No, no, they're available at the center. They're just not available to the media anymore. Wow. Russ, do you guys have to down. Do, um, do you guys still have to wear like suits when you go to the flyers? No, oh, okay. No, no. I I people laugh when I wear a suit because it's so infrequent. Yeah. That yeah, I have I wear like a suit every five years. So no, okay, I because I remember that for some reason I remember that being a thing. Was that a thing at some point where you guys had to like look a certain way in the flyers press? Yeah, I think I think it it was more like business casual as long as you're business casual you got you know fresh jeans or khakis a polo shirt decent looking sneakers we'll let you in okay i that was funny because we because at the nba games at the sixers games you can pretty show up wearing pretty much anything you can wear like jordans and like a a flannel shirt or something i i my my look was like burks county chic i I will tell you i won't say the name but there was a well-known philly writer that showed up to the stanley cup in shorts yeah and he got the riot act right to him in Let me Philly ask you, in 2010. Oh, for real? Look, here, actually, yes. that reminds me of something. I do want to ask you about this. The, now, the, he only um, stayed below, to be fair. He wasn't trying to go upstairs, but they uh, were like, you still shouldn't walk in the building with shorts on. Do you do you know the uh, Avalanche writer who was uh, holding the cup? I, I don't know him. Oh, okay. No, I just you, know of it. We Because we were talking about that on an episode a couple episodes ago, and I said I don't really care. Because, like, first of all, like, Landeskog was standing there with him, like, in the picture. And for all for all I know, maybe he handed him the cup or said, hey, come take this or whatever. But, like, did you find it strange at all that a media member was, was like, celebrating and holding the cup? I, I felt found it strange that he was drinking out of it. 
Like that's oh, probably yeah. the part where he crossed the line. <laughs> yeah. Here's here's where I'm at. I, I started covering in 2000. My first cup was 03, but in 04, I was at all the um, Tampa home games when Torts was their coach and they won the cup. Oh, yeah. Vinny Cavalier and yeah. Mar- Martin St. Louis. Yeah. Now, back then, it was in the locker room. It wasn't celebrated on the ice. And the cup got passed around. And when it got passed to me from like a Tampa radio guy, like one of their, you know, regulars, I'm like, no, no, no. It's, you know, give it to somebody else. He goes, listen, you've been to every home game for the, for the Stanley Cup. You deserve it. So I, I held it for a second and I passed it on. What it feel um, like? How heavy is it? It's heavy. Yeah. Like these guys are all strong. It's it's heavier than you think. I, I want to say it's like 30 pounds, 40 pounds. It's something in that range. Um, so I, I felt like, okay, I didn't feel bad about what I did like as a media member, but I wouldn't drink out of the cup, right? You like lift that's, it up over your head? No. I mean, it was one second. It was like passed, go, yeah. that's yeah, it. That's so, But cool. I think once you drink out of the cup, you kind of have crossed the line. And that's what came up in our Hockey Writers Association meeting, rightly so. Yeah. But apparently oh. this guy is going to retire or he's not in the hockey writing business anymore. So I don't think he cared. Oh, well, he can go. He's going out on top then. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I would do, I would do, I would find a way if I was an Eagles beat reporter and they won the Super Bowl my last year, I'd find a way to get up on that stage with Roger Goodell right. and Jeffrey <laughs> or, or get in the line and, and, and kiss the Super Bowl. Uh, right. Super Bowl uh, trophy. Um, hey, our other Russ, he wanted me to ask you this. Do you still think Fedotov's coming over the season? Okay, so at the time that all this was happening, you know, I have a source that gets things out of Russia, and the thought was they're going to be able to get him out of there. Mm -hmm. Like one of the other owners, there's another owner um, that's pretty pro-player and also friends of Putin, that he'd be able to get him out of there. But then as the days went on, you could see that Putin was really going to make an example out of him, and that wasn't going to happen. So I didn't retweet anything beyond that simply because I don't want to make the guy's situation worse either. Yeah. And just like I have the source, I would never give up the source because, you know, the source finds out all kinds of information about what is actually going on there. And, you know, like I said, there was a belief early on that it was going to be fixed because that's how things used to be in Russia, but now it's changed. So I would tell Russ the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shitty, shitty situation. I'm sure it he's is. watching this. He's down in North yeah. Carolina right no, now. No, he's on. Russ is the other Russ is on vacation. I'm sure he's complaining about Giroux or <laughs> something. You know, he's, he's spending kidding. his entire vacation just on his phone, like complaining yep. about arguing with. Oh, Anthony. yesterday was a bad day for him for sure. Oh uh, yeah, he uh, and Anthony were buttonheads. We may have to bring both of them on here and we'll and do some mediation here. You know, like figure yeah. out the, what's the snow the goalie internal conflict here. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it all. Uh, I heard <laughs> there's some heat there. <laughs> yeah, we'll broker. We'll broker some peace. We'll broker some yeah. peace. Yeah. Uh, Russ, this was awesome. Uh, hope you're hope you're gnashing on some uh, on some Swedish fish today. Now that the uh, free agency is still going on, but hey, at least it won't be with the Flyers because we're done. One day, twenty four hours, we're yeah. done. You could we got not have to pay to attention about. to them until September. <laughs> oh, we might not pay attention until next July thirteenth or July twelfth, whenever uh, some might start. Some next. might go that way. Oh man! Hey, you know this team's going to start seven three and one just because they're a bunch of assholes. They will, guys. and because it's Tortorella, there's no yep. question in my mind that's going to yep. happen. People yeah, buy in every year. They do the Western Canada road trip. That's when they, it goes they, dead. You're exactly they, right. They rip off a couple wins, and I'm like, I'm in on them. Yeah, you know, and then they lose like ten. Yeah, that's the that's the Disney marker. Home on ice. Yeah, they the do Disney better ice. on the Western Canadian trip than you think they're going to do, <laughs> and then they go dead after that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Ross, but this was still, awesome, I, man. 
I, I will tell you, there's a three-on-three tournament in Voorhees on Friday. I'll still be there because I'm a prospect guy. I think fans could actually see it too. I'm not sure. Tell them to check on it. It'll still be fun. Cool. Awesome. And uh, where can people read you? Uh, sportsology.com, uh, Elite Prospects. It's eprinkside.com. Yeah. There's a host of other sites. If they follow me at Twitter, at Sportsology, they'll find the other spots. Great. Awesome. Hey, and by the way, I read your Dev Camp article. It's a very good uh, 2022 move to put all the Cutter Gautier highlights and have a link back to your Instagram. I just want to say. Hey, thanks. I appreciate great. that. It's a great social media move. <laughs> I on appreciate your, on your that, part. Kyle. That's, That's good. nice. That's good. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Ross, man. thanks so much, man. Okay. See you guys. All right. Uh, yeah, no, it was last year. It was funny, man, because like last year, it was that Western Canada road trip because we had the newborn in the house. She was like three weeks old. And so I was up until like 2 a.m. like doing my shift with the kid. And like, I'm like, oh, the Flyers look pretty damn good against the Flames. Oh, they look good against the Oilers, man. Here, I'm like, I'm, I'm a Cam Atkinson. I had like 10 goals already. And then, Is that uh, typically the Disney on Ice trip where like the Disney on Ice comes in and, and Sixers and, uh, and the Flyers have to go west? I know. No, because no, I think. I think Disney on Ice is like in December, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I just know always, always the Flyers. I mean, always the Sixers have to go west, and it's the like Flyers always end up with that stretch where it's like Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and the games start at ten o'clock at night. It's like a whole week. It's like when the Sixers go out and they play like Golden State and Sacramento and uh, L.A. and whatever, you know. And you fall asleep in the first quarter, or second quarter, you know. So. And everyone bitches, but yeah. Sixers, Sixers in bed. Flyers yeah. in bed. No. Um, anything else you got before we wrap this up for the weekend? No, no good show, man. Good guess. No, good hey, discussion. Good, good yeah. show from you. No, thank you. You as well. All right. Well, that is Crossing Broadcast. Thank you for joining. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>